morning. Welcome to the Nick Chats podcast. We're excited you're with us this morning. We are here live in Chicago at the 2023 Nick Fall Conference. If you're not familiar with the Nick uh, Chats podcast, this is about bringing forth interesting people, thought leaders in our industry to discuss hot topics and uh, things of interest to all of you. In terms of introductions, my name is Lisa McCracken. I serve as the head of research and analytics with Nick. And I'm here today joined by um, one of a colleague, maybe of many of you, uh, the founder and co-CEO of ProCare HR. And we're gonna hear a little bit more about ProCare, Brett Landrum. So welcome, we're glad you, that you. you are Thanks with us at the conference in here today. So obviously workforce is a hot topic. I think there's been very few conversations here at the Nick conference that that does not come up. So uh, Brett and I had a chance, you and I had a chance to talk in advance just about your passion around this and uh, solutions, and, and we're going to dive into that. But I think the listeners would benefit from hearing a little bit just about background of ProCare HR, uh, and just so you, they understand a little bit of your background and experience. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I, I really, I think it's important to start with the vision for our company because that, that really drives everything else, our people, mm -hmm. our investments, strategy, et cetera. And really the, the vision for ProCare is about, I'll say, you know, answering the question, you know, really what's the impact that improved HR outcomes can have on you know quality of care, resident satisfaction, financial results. And you know, the, you know, the answer is I think everybody anecdotally can say, well geez, if we do this thing, this people thing better, right. we're gonna have we're gonna see those, you know, those three areas improve, but it's to what extent and what are the you know what are the actual levers that you pull that, you know, have have the greatest impact, mm -hmm. and so you know, ProCare is an HR services company. We exclusively um, partner with organizations to serve seniors and and folks with disabilities. Um, really, full spectrum outsourcing uh, for you know for, for human resources and how we think about how we think about delivering our business model and kind of how we differentiate mm -hmm. ourselves is it's really you know, how can we create an unfair advantage for our customers in the marketplace? And really do that three ways. Number one is providing industry-optimized HR services delivered really consistently and predictably. Number two is highly value-additive, um, you know, tools really, you know, built specifically for senior care to help control staffing costs, labor, um, you know, address some of the labor shortage issues, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And then the third is, you know, how can we aggregate the data that comes from all of our customers and really, you know, give them really fantastic insights mm -hmm. to drive, you know, better business decisions, people outcomes, et cetera. Right. You touched on a number of hot topics that we're definitely going to get to, <laughs> data, hot topics, um, and, and technology. So we're going to spend a little time around that. But I first want to start off with, uh, you obviously have the perspective if you come into different uh, communities, facilities, and, and, and have a bit of an objective view. And I'm sure there are certain things that you see are common mistakes that organizations are making, um, you know. So can you comment a little bit about hurdles that you see or, or organizations, mistakes that they're making that can be, I would say some maybe even lower hanging fruit or things that can improve some of their HR strategies? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I'm gonna be really boring throughout this podcast because I'm gonna <laughs> say the word basics like a hundred times, but like really like it, it is, it's about the basics, like own the basics, be great at the basics. And, and, you know, that's like making sure that, 
hey, we're paying people correctly every time. We're we're doing a great job processing benefits. We're you know we've we're really leveraging our HR technology to the best extent so that our managers, our supervisors, our leaders are getting really good insights out of it. Like. You know, we're, we've got clear expectations, clear accountabilities, clear measurements for all of our different roles, leaders, et cetera. Like, you know, it's, I think a lot of times we think there's like some big winning move. It's like, hey, right. if I just figure this one engagement thing out, my world's going to change. It's the magic wand, right? Yeah, and it's like there's no winning move. Right. It, right. There's just not. It's, it's having the discipline to really focus on and, and get good at, hey, let's get really good at payroll. Let's get really good at right. how we support our, our, you know, the technology tools that our clients right. are using or that our employees are using, et cetera. Um, so, I, you know, I think it starts with the basics. And then when, you know, when you do, when you execute the basics really well, that kind of earns you the right to be able yeah. to work on the strategy. Right, because I would think that they garner trust, your workforce too, Correct. when they, they see that. And you use the word discipline, I like that, because uh, I think often, uh, you know, the, the, the teams get stuck in the weeds and it's the day-to-day -day demands and you lose sight of some of those important elements on, on the workforce side of things. So. Uh, Expenses have been obviously top of mind for organizations. A lot of that relates to wages, um, but I think uh, you know a lot of the things you do too really look at where are there are ways that we can have some cost savings with certain labor solutions. So talk to me a little bit about what, what that is and what that looks like. Yeah, so we embarked on this journey about two or three years ago, and, and frankly, you know, shame on, on me, maybe not taking my own medicine. We didn't have a whole lot of data. It was very okay. anecdotal. But what we started noticing in our customer base is, you know, we're coming out of this, you know, COVID time period where, you know, I, like census is all over the place, right. but, you know, staffing's really short. And as a result of like kind of those two, kind of those two forces, what was, what, what we're hearing from our clients was, look, like we're not, our, our, at the site level, our executive directors and our schedulers aren't able to make the adjustments quick enough mm -hmm. when I go from, hey, I'm perpetually understaffed, now all of a sudden my census goes up, how do I use, you know, how do I use that, right. how do I use those resources? Or my census goes down, and, but I've been understaffed for the last two months, so how do I think about, you know, making the appropriate adjustments right. I right. need to? And, and so, you know, we, we've embarked on this journey of like, how do we, you know, how can we help operators do this mm -hmm. better. And I, I think, you know, one, you know, one of the fundamental principles of Schedule A, this, this business unit of ours, is really like, you know, if, if something's critically important and you don't have a leader waking up every morning and that's all they think about and they're right. focused on it, right. like, it's not going to get done. Right. And what we hear from our operators is that like, you know, your EDs and your regionals and your administrators, like, they're all supposed to be focusing on labor costs and, and, and managing that payroll expense, but they're also focused on quality and admissions and right. this thing and right. this fire. And so ultimately that doesn't get the focus it, that mm -hmm. it deserves. And so mm -hmm. what we, we've really tried to do is build a model um, that's, you know, laser focused on, you know, managing payroll expense where we have seasoned operators, they wake up every day and it's, right. hey, how do we support the schedulers? How do we support the EDs? How do we support the regionals on knowing their data, but then, you know, really using that data to build the execution right. plan and, right. you know, driving right. better 
outcomes. Well, and I think you're getting to the point of the HR specialist because you know if you go back in time, HR is a little bit of everything, right? They're doing everything. They're doing the the employee of the month. They're managing benefits. They're you know all of that. And I think what you're saying is you know, it's having those experts at their levels and and being able to utilize that data for important decision making. Yeah, hundred percent. And it's it's focus. And I also think it's education. I mean, one of the things that's you know, kind of surprising to me always is that, you know, we don't actually, we often, as an industry, I don't think we train the folks that are managing our P&L well. Right. Like, right. the scheduler has got, you know, 40 to 60% of, of the expenses in the business, right. but, like, do they really understand kind of the tactical changes they can make to scheduling to have a really significant impact right. both on quality of care, on employee satisfaction, because, you know, you're, you're managing your staffing, right. you know, more responsibly right. from employee experience perspective, quality of care, et cetera. And so one of the things that we've tried to do is use that data to then circle back to those schedulers and mm -hmm. educate them on, like, hey, look, it, you know, are we, are we utilizing all of our full-time employees right. well? Right. How are we thinking about scheduling PTO? you know, months right. out, right. things of that nature. Right, right. Perfect examples of where organizations may not have the expertise or resources in-house to just navigate that themselves. Yeah. So being able to supplement existing staff. So we talked about data, and I want to talk about technology, and I know they're often intertwined, but uh, the role of technology as it relates to, to workforce and staffing. So what are what's your perspective on that, where we are now and maybe where we need to go? Yeah, so... A lot of different people have kind of opinions on, on where senior living's at or senior care is at as far as technology adoption. Mm -hmm. My personal opinion is I actually think the industry as a whole has worked really hard and driven towards mm -hmm. good technology adoption. Like I've been impressed by the pace at which I've seen the industry well, and operators adopt. Okay. Where I think the industry is struggling and falls down is in, you know, is kind of is an ex execution and adoption throughout the organization. So it's like right. executives, as executives, we say, hey, I, I recognize the need for technology. It's how do you really get the throughput with all your leaders, all your teams, so that the we're- The buy-in piece? 100%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So is that, and I, I didn't mean to interrupt, yeah. but, but that's what I think of, is I think of the buy-in. Are there other obstacles? I mean, do you run, do you see infrastructure issues, things of that nature? And, and where does training come in with yeah. what all of you do? Yeah, I mean, I, I think, um, you know, we're trying to use a lot of different technology platforms. And so, I, you know, the training is, training is quit critical mm -hmm. um, because you have lots of different folks in the organization who need to use the technology different for different purposes. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes these tech companies are like, you know, one, configuration and implementation, implementation rarely goes well. So that means you're, shift, right. you're already shifting the burden right. uh, of, of, you know, of uh, you know, that exercise to the operator. But then, you know, once the initial implementation's off the ground, you know, all these different people have to use it differently to, do the, to, right. to perform their jobs. Right. So it's not just about like, hey, going and training on the system. It's about helping them understand, and I think at, at different levels in the organization, helping, you know, the, everybody kind of map the how they use the tool into their workflow so that it's not like, hey, here's a random tool, you gotta figure out how to right. work it into your daily right. routine and right. your life, and et cetera. It's, hey, look, these are the workflows that you're following, here's where the tool fits. And so then when you train, you're, you're, you know, you're training um, 
you know, to that end. Yeah. And, and it's making the connection. What's in it for me? How does this relate to me? You know, as opposed to this tool you're yeah. <laughs> importing upon me. So, uh, Another related question, you know, talking about sort of where the puck's going. So in these times, we've had to get creative about, you know, workforce tactics models. And, and there's a lot of conversation around how do we need to think differently moving forward. So, uh, you know, because the workforce struggles might be here with us for a period of time, you know, uh, shortages, retention issues and, and so forth. But if you had a crystal ball, you know, it's that, you know, what does this workforce need to look like in the future? And you can cover a lot of ground with that. I mean, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. who who are, who comprises the workforce, um, a variety of different things. But I mean, wh where do we need to be heading as an industry as it relates to workforce? Yeah, I mean, I don't think this is anything terribly groundbreaking, but I think one thing is we have to be, we as an industry have to do better at career pathing, like period. Mm. We've got right. to retain people, we've got to keep them in the industry, and that's that's hard to do right. um, when, you know, 70% of your workforce is, you know, unskilled or, you know, un, un, unskilled roles. But we have to get better at it so that we can, you know, attract and retain, um, I think, I think we're going to see the nature of work shift a lot. I mean, look, like a lot of the operators we talk to, everybody's 70, 80% or, you know, is staffed at, you know, 70, 80% of where they'd like to be. Right. So, and, and, you know, we obviously, when you get in the late 20s, early 30s, you're going to have this huge influx of, of demand, but we're not seeing like the workforce dynamics change. So, you know, we're already understaffed and now we're going to have this huge influx of demand. Like we're going to have to, do senior right. care differently. My personal opinion is I think you're going to see a lot more remote monitoring solutions. You're going to start seeing, you know, how, how do we do more with less, um, which maybe means, which actually could be a really good thing for the industry because it may mean that like, hey, we're going to upskill some of these, you know, some of these unskilled positions so they can do more um, and kind of cover more ground because of, you know, how we can deploy technology into, right. into our buildings. Right. Yeah, and, and the the future, well, and you could argue you know, younger generation workers now, I would say demand some of these tech solutions, right? So totally. if, you know, if we're looking to generate, you know, increasing um, you know, workforce among the younger generations, we've got to be on top and, and of, of the data and the technology. You mentioned the career ladders that's, and I think you and I talked about this in, in some of our previous conversations, the importance of scale. Yeah. You know, that's where when you've got an organization that's a little larger, you know, you can give some career ladders and, and, and some training in that regard. Yeah. I think your point on the technology tools is a really important one. So maybe outside of senior living, like ProCare is going through this right now as an organization. Yeah. As we scale and have had to look at, you know, how do we how do we do better at being able to onboard, train, uh, and help our employees be really effective thinking about solving problems for our clients versus doing a bunch of manual things because we haven't built internal right. tools. Right. And so I think one of the things that, one of, one of the opportunities in, in senior care operations is to look at what are the tools that we're using and how do we make it easier and simpler and yes. how do we remove steps? And right. it, I think that's a, that's a really, big driver of job satisfaction that often gets ignored right. is, you know, what are the tools we're using? How simple are they to use? And do I feel like, you know, am I just doing a bunch of administrative work because the tools are cumbersome? Right. Right. Or am I actually getting to step in and, and make a difference somewhere? Right. right. 
Right, because at the end of the day, you know, a lot of people do come into this field because of, uh, you know, particularly in the direct care staff side of things, you know, the interactions with the residents and, and, and so forth in that direct caregiving. So if they feel there's going to be things employed that are going to, you know, be difficult and distract them, you know, from some of that, it's, it's difficult to adopt for sure. Um, are there other things that you would just comment on uh, that we haven't talked about in terms of specialty things that all of you focus on, um, you know? common things that you see on your end of things coming into organizations? Yeah, you know, I would say maybe not necessarily specific just to pro care, but, you know, some some lessons that we've learned in our own business and maybe some insights that I've, I've been thinking about a lot specific to, to senior care is, you know, when we talk about going back to the basics and that really drives engagement, like, People talk about this like employee experience, employee engagement. Yeah, like like what does that actually mean? Right. Like, and and I think it's you know how 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 do those folks connect with the the organization? And I think just really focusing on good solid management practices mm -hmm. and basics mm -hmm. will will you know does a lot of that covers a lot of the, more of that engagement ground than right. we, when we give it credit right. for. Because so the career ladder is great, but if you are advancing people that don't have the tools and the training. Correct. Yeah. Or if nobody knows, you know, what's expected of them or how they're measured or, you right. know, what are the tools right. they need to be right. successful, you right. know, need to leverage to do their job well. Do you, how do you measure the, the employee satisfaction engagement? So what metrics do you look at to know, okay, so the staff seem more satisfied here with this because of X, Y, Z? Yeah, so you know we we have used EMPS, which we which is uh, Employee Net Promoter Score. Got it. Okay, and I, you know I personally like that a lot because you, you're benchmarking yourself both against you know other employer peers, but also you can get mm -hmm. specific to the industry. Mm -hmm. It also looks at you know a number of different dimensions, so it's going to ask you know and ask questions like um, you know how how you know do you have a good friend at work? Do you have a close right. friend at work? Right, right, and right. You know, do you have, how likely are you to leave for 10% more money? And it asks, you know, a number of different questions. So it gives you a lot of insight into your your organization and how your employees are thinking mm -hmm. and feeling and, mm -hmm. and things of that nature. Um, but, you know, what we've seen when we've both at ProCare with our own internal employees, but also when we've, you know, done these, you know, done some of this work with customers is it, it is shocking how much just like having a clear vision, communicating it well, disseminating information, having, you know, clear goals that we're all talking about, all moving, you know, rowing the boat in the same direction, you know, clear, clear method in which we measure people, like, you know, doing the basics of HR, just, hey, process payroll accurately. Like, right. it's amazing how much just those really good, solid business practices mm -hmm. that are, like, really hard to do consistently day right. in and day out right. drives drives enormous, um, you know, has enormous impact on, you know, engagement and employee satisfaction. I want to touch on communication because, you know, it's one of those things I think communicate, communicate, communicate. So I, I know I've seen reports come out for, you know, employee engagement reports and there's a comment, we didn't know X, Y, Z and the manager's saying, oh my gosh, we've told them 20 times that. So have you seen any best practices on the communication side of things? Are we talking... Yeah, some organizations I've seen have an app for staff. You know, you've got newsletters. You may have meetings. What communication? What do you see works? Yeah, so 
one, I'll preface this with it's easy for me to set up here an <laughs> armchair right. quarterback, but that's like right. we got to, you right. know, if you go pull all the pro care inter internal staff, they're going to tell you that we've got our own communication issues, right? But I, I think more often than not, what we've seen is that it's not the little stuff, it's the big stuff. Like, hey, where are we going as an organization? Right. We're making this big strategic change. Like, why are we doing it? Right. Help me understand and wrap my head around, you know, and feel bought into and a part of that, you know, part of that process. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I think that those are the types of things that we hear and, you know, both, you know, quantitatively and qualitatively is it's usually not, you know, the little stuff. Right. It's the more sweeping changes. It's where are we going as an organization? Right. Why are we making the decisions that we're making? Um, and, and, you know, again, I, I think those are things that if they're hard to communicate well, um, because oftentimes like, like this is a really fast moving business environment. Right. You've yes. got AI, you've got a lot of headwinds that, you know, senior care is still facing, I think getting a little bit better. And so executives are like, they're having to be really adaptable and move quickly. And so sometimes it's hard to slow down and, and kind of bring everybody right. else along. Right. Right. Um, certainly is for, for me, but um, I, I think it's critical. Right. So I want to talk a little bit about the staff pool. And, and again, I'm, I'm going to largely focus on the, the direct care staff. Yeah. So we've got your, you know, the core staff, full-time staff. And we know in recent years there's been a lot of the agency staff usage that's been responsible and driving a lot of the expenses. But it's, it's the agency staff or that on-demand staff. And, and I'm not an expert in that, but I, I have heard conversations and people say, you know, at the end, of the, there's always that individual that just wants to be, you know, the, the on-demand type, they don't want to be the full-time staff. Is that segment here with us, you know, long, long term? Or talk to me about some of those dynamics and, and what we're seeing. Do you have yeah, any observations? Really yeah, um, I'd like to, I, I'd say, I would, I would like to know more than I do, <laughs> uh, given our business. But, no, I mean, look, I, I think, um, I think there's always going, there's always going to be a place for agency. There just is, period. Um, I think how we do agency is going to change and transform, probably mm -hmm. more towards kind of on-demand type type staffing. Um, but, I, you know, I personally do not see, like, you know, I, I know there's been this, like, it's, the idea has been kicked around of, like, Uber for caregiving. Right. And I just, like, I, I, I personally find that really hard to believe, primarily because you need those caregivers, like, you know, trained and focused on your residents, mm -hmm. bought into your vision, your mission. And I just don't think you get that same impact, human impact mm -hmm. and, and, you know, quality outcome, et cetera, when you've got, you know, on-demand staffing versus a cohesive team that's, you know, you know, trying to, you know, take care of folks. Right. And, you know, it's potentially sort of one strategy or, or one spoke of the wheel. You know, there's a lot of conversation to around the non-traditional workers, you know, older adult workers. That gets more difficult at the direct care staff level. Yeah. You know, obviously. But, uh, yeah, it's it's thinking potentially differently. And I think it relates to that future conversation, too. Well, we're starting to see a lot of operators get creative and say, hey, how do we create our own internal staffing pool? Yes. How do we do on demand? Like, rather than, you know, outsourcing and paying a premium for an agency, like, can we change, can we, you know, cause that allows us to keep that cohesive team right. uh, feeling, but, you know, we get some of the advantages of, 
of you know that on-demand flexibility, adaptability that you get from you know from agency and some of these new organizations. Right, right. Yes, I've heard of that as well, and some organizations have had great success with the internal yeah. staffing agency. I think the trick there is to make sure you don't cannibalize your yeah, own that's, staff. It's hard. Yeah, that, <laughs> right. it's really hard because like the, wait, they're getting paid how much an hour? I'm going to go do that. It's incentives, and so it's really like being intentional about how do you systematize it, how are you going to roll it out, how do you communicate it, because that you know. Back to communication. I'm, you know, we have ten buildings, and I'm working at a building, and I find out, I find out through, you know, another, per, you know, dietary aide who found out from a right. caregiver that we right. now have an internal staffing pool, right. Right. and those people are making four dollars an hour right. more, right. and like, you know, how, how do I feel about that? To right. so your point about cannibalizing, I, I think. That, right. That's a real concern. Yeah, you need to be very smart and strategic, I think, yeah. is, is what I've observed from a lessons learned standpoint. So, yeah. okay, that's, I think we're going to wrap up with this, qu this question. Wages versus, and I'm not suggesting this is an either or, I'm going to let you answer yeah, any yeah. way you want. Wages versus culture. And sort of, you know, what trumps what? Mm. What do you think? You know, we've obviously been, been deploying a lot of the wage escalation in recent years. And, and I think needed. You know, but, but do, you know, can you pay somebody enough if you don't have the culture? I mean, it, I, I, just talk to me about sort of the either and or or proposition with that. Yeah, I mean, look, like, you know, money works. Look right. at Amazon, right? Like, like people True. love it or they hate it. And there's a lot of people that stay there because it's, they can't afford to leave because they're paid too well. Right. Amazon's a different world than right. senior care. Like, we can't, I, I, I don't think, I, I don't think it's, you know, maybe I'll go neutral and say it's not not either or it's right. an and and I think like we have to be strong enough with wages it's the balancing act we have to be strong enough with wages but like we've got to get better at the engagement and the culture and you know mission etc how you know how we rally people around what we're trying to accomplish but um, look like you know senior care is not large tech where you have you know 80% gross margins and right. you know we can have crazy benefits and, and comp you know uh, compensate people to that to that level. So I, I just I think there's a there's a practical financial barrier where like we're never going to be able to be so strong on wages that we can you know I'll not work at the employee experience right. thing. I think right. it's going to have to be both in every organization, depending on where they're at in their life cycle, what their vision is, what their strategy is, is going to have to figure out like how do we think about compensation? How right. do we think about our value prop to employees? Where compensation fits into that? Right versus this whole engagement thing. Um, so it's a little bit of a non-answer to your No, <laughs> to your I think question. it gets back to the discipline word that you yeah. used earlier. It's having the discipline to know, okay, when do we use the, the wage lever and how far can we go versus when we say no. You know, we, we need to deploy that capital into really working harder potentially on the, the retention elements, you know, other things that you can choose outside of the... The, the pay. Well, and I think what's important is making sure all the different elements right. of the strategy are congruent right. and go together. Right. And that's like, I, I think it's easy to kind of fall out of alignment in some of those different areas. Fantastic. Thank you for being with us this morning. And you've got a team of, of ProCare HR folks here at the conference. We and do. Uh, appreciate all of you being with us. Continue to pay attention to future Nick Chat podcasts and have a great rest of the conference.